sons, not victims, Jesus says. You are to be sons of the Most High. That is the Christian calling throughout Scripture. That is especially the Christian calling that Jesus has revealed to us. And you heard it so wonderfully put in such simple words by him. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. Jesus came to bring you back to the Father. Or you can put it the other way around, six one way, half a dozen the other. He came to bring you back to the Father, and he came to give the Father to you. And so again and again and again, Jesus says things just like this. Your Father, our Father, my Father, and yours. Jesus has restored you to the Father's house. We heard a parable about that last week, didn't we? We heard that great parable of the prodigal son who had wrecked his life, but who came home and found the father sprinting out to meet him. And I always wonder, you know, if Jesus were to keep telling that story, what would it go on to be, right? You kind of wish that there was fan fiction for the New Testament, right? What happened to that son? What did he turn out to be? Who did he marry? What were his children like? What was the rest of his life like? Well, in some ways, I think we can take what Jesus said here today as the completion of that prodigal son story. Jesus says, here's what it's like to live in the father's house. House rules are, be like dad. And here is what the father is like. He is merciful. And so are his children. That means you. Each and every one of you must think of yourself this way. Ladies, you included, you must consider yourself a son of God. That's the way the Bible talks. Now, it's also true that the New Testament says, you men, you have to think of yourself as the bride of Christ, right? So it's not just the girls who have to think like boys or the boys who have to think like girls. The church is collectively, corporately, the the bride of Christ. And individually, we are all, every one of us, sons. And you know what that means, don't you? It doesn't just mean that you're made out of, what are boys made out of? Dirt and sticks and stones and whatever all that is. It means, it means that you are, if you are a son, then you are an heir, an heir. And sons, well, sons are supposed to be chips off the old block, right? Sons are to look like their father. Sons are to talk like their father. Sons are to walk like their father. Sons are to be little copies of their father with slight improvements, right? (laughs) We can say that about earthly sons, but with the heavenly father, there is no improvement. You don't have to be better than him, but you are called to be just like him. Be merciful, Jesus says, as your father is merciful. And that means you can't think of yourself as a victim. You are sons, not victims. There is a lot of talk in our world this day about how oppressed people are, and you can score bonus points if you belong to multiple oppressed classes. It's called intersectional points, right? So if you are a woman, if you are a minority, If you are anything but a Christian, you get bonus points. You get extra intersectional points. You've had it really hard, and the rest of us are supposed to kind of lift you up, right? It's a strange world that we live in where being a victim is kind of the goal, and where people talk and talk and talk about how victimized they are, and strangely, paradoxically, the more of a victim you can sell yourself as, the better it is. 
But Jesus blows all that up. You are not victims. You are sons. And you must think of yourself more and more, not as victims, but as sons. Merciful sons, just as you have a merciful father. Generous sons, just as you have a generous father. You are not to be sulking, brooding, judging, condemning children. You are those whose laps are overflowing with the father's measure. And listen again to what Jesus says. Here's how the father measures out his blessing. He puts a bag in your lap and he shakes it up. Right? Why would he shake it up? It's so that it can all settle down. And why would you want it all to settle down? Well, Jesus says because he wants to press more and more and more and more until the whole thing is overflowing in your lap. How could you be a victim when you have a father who loves you like that? You are sons, not victims. That is the calling for each and every disciple of Jesus. Become, Holy Scripture tells us, become more and more what God has made you to be. In the waters of holy baptism, you are adopted into the family. And rather than just taking you up into heaven, God the Father says, now I want you to grow up. I want you to grow up and to become more and more, well, what I have called you to be, my son my merciful son, who is merciful as I am merciful to you. And so today, I want you to consider our founding fathers. I don't mean the founding fathers of our nation. We can do that on Tuesday, and it's good for us to do that, right? It's good for every nation to tell the story of the heroes who have gone before. Because you can learn from that, right? It's strange to say, but you can learn from the past. There were people before us, and some of them were even smart, right? Some of them were even noble. Can you imagine? Some of them are worthy of imitation, right? But today we aren't considering Benjamin Franklin or Thomas Jefferson or even George Washington. Today I want you to consider your founding father, Joseph. You heard a very little bit of Joseph's life. You heard that last, almost the last thing that Joseph said to his brothers. And you heard this strange thing that Joseph wept. And if you don't know the story, you might just think that Joseph was kind of an emotional guy, right? His brothers came to him and they had this whole story about what dad said and you're supposed to forgive your brothers. And then Joseph strangely breaks down and he cries, But if you know Joseph's story, you know how powerful that was. You know what it meant for him to speak to his brothers and say, fear not, I will take care of you and your little ones. That's powerful stuff. That's enough to make a grown man cry. And it is Joseph who could score the most intersectional points, I think, of all, right? Did anyone ever suffer as much as Joseph? Could anyone ever claim to be a bigger victim than Joseph? If you know the story of Joseph's life, then you probably know that the answer is you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who was more of a victim than Joseph. But for those of you who don't remember, or for those of you who remember some of the details, but it all gets a little bit foggy, was he Joseph or Jacob or Isaac? I can never keep them all straight. Let me remind you about Joseph. Joseph was the youngest son of his father, at least for a while. His father was Jacob, and eventually he'd have another son named Benjamin. But for a long time, Joseph was the runt. And you know what happens in a big family? Big family for us means like three or four. Well, Joseph had ten brothers. And you can imagine how ten brothers picked on the little guy, right? 
But Joseph was loved by his father. And so chances are, if you know anything about Joseph's life, you know that his dad gave him something special, don't you? What did his dad give him? You can say it. In a mate. Not a coat of many colors. It was an amazing coat of, it was an amazing technicolor dream coat. <laughs> it was a coat of many colors. That's what the Bible says, so that's what we'll stick to. His father dressed him up in the rainbow, not because he was interested in LGBT things, but because the rainbow was God's symbol. It was God's sign of promise, right? When I see the bow in the clouds, I will remember my covenant and I will not curse the world. So Joseph was dressed in the rainbow of his father's love. But his brothers saw that. And his brothers thought, how come I don't have one of those? How come dad loves him more than everybody else? What's so great about Joseph? What's so special about him? How come I don't? See, they thought they were victims, right? Dad doesn't love me like he should. And so they hated Joseph, and to make matters worse, Joseph came to them one day and said, hey boys, I had a dream. You'll never believe this one. The sun and the moon and the stars, that's you guys, were bowing down to me. Now imagine your little brother telling you that, right? Imagine your little brother dressed up in your father's love that you wished that you had, which they probably had, by the way, but they thought in their envy that they didn't have anything good from old Jacob. And so his brothers concocted a little plan, right? Next time this dreamer, comes out, that's what they call him. Next time he comes out here, let's teach him a lesson. Let's kill him, right? Let's kill him. And then they had mercy. Instead of killing Joseph, they just threw him down into a pit. And then when some traders came by, they said, hey, we've got a slave to sell you. And they sold their brother Joseph off as a slave to Egypt. Talk about a victim. Joseph knew what it meant to suffer. He was a victim of fraternal hatred. And yet, the Lord was with him. But it didn't stop there for poor old Joseph. You know what happened, don't you? You know that he went down to Egypt, and rather than sulking and brooding in Potiphar's house, that's the man who bought him, he served Potiphar, gladly, we're even told. Now, just think of that. If I was sold as a slave, and I was living in someone else's house, you know what I would do? I would tell everyone who would give me their ear, let me tell you how bad I have it. I want you to feel sorry for me. Let me tell you how bad it is to be me. Let me tell you how wicked my brothers are, how awful they are. Let me tell you how bad my life is. And I would imagine that in a house of slaves, everybody told that story, right? I would imagine that misery loves company, and so they all would have piled on, oh man, Joseph, you've got it bad, but listen to this. And they would have compared stories and kind of competed to see who had it the worst. But strangely, Joseph doesn't do that because Joseph didn't consider himself a victim. He knew himself to be a son. And so he served Potiphar and he rose up in Potiphar's house only to to fall victim to a woman's scheme. Not only was he hated by his brothers, but he was also falsely accused by the woman of the house. You remember the story, don't you? Joseph was handsome, and she thought so too. And so she wanted day after day after day, hey, Joseph, come into my bed. Hey, Joseph, come spend some special time with me. And Joseph said, "Uh uh-uh, nope, nope, not my place, not my business, not my wife. And so she said, you know what he tried to do to me? 
And Potiphar, can you imagine being Potiphar? Here's your wife accusing the best servant in your house of some kind of indecent activity. And I wonder, don't you? I wonder if Potiphar saw through it, but who are you going to listen to? Are you really going to listen to the servant over your own wife? And so Potiphar had Joseph thrown in prison. See, Joseph was a victim not only of the hatred of his brothers, but he was a victim of false accusations, and he was a victim of a court system that had no interest in justice, but was only set up to put down poor Joseph. And just like he could have sulked there in Potiphar's house, he could have sulked in prison. Did you know that if you go to prison, everyone's innocent? Did you know that? If you go and visit someone in prison, you'll find out that almost everyone who's in there is actually innocent. I know it's hard to believe. I know it's hard to believe, but it really is the case, you know. The criminal is always innocent, isn't he? He is always a victim. A victim of someone else and something else and of circumstance and the system, and it's all rigged against me. you got to believe me, man. And I'm sure that Joseph could have found a sympathetic ear there in prison, couldn't he? Could you believe what this woman did to me? Could you believe what Potiphar did? The system is rigged, man. I got it hard. I got it bad. But he didn't do that because Joseph didn't consider himself a victim. He knew himself to be a son. And the Lord was with him even in prison. And so after some time, Joseph made a few friends. In fact, he even made some powerful friends. There were two guys who were there in prison because the system was rigged, right? And it was Pharaoh's cupbearer and Pharaoh's baker. And they came to Joseph one day and they said, we've had these weird dreams, Joseph. Can you help us understand them? And Joseph said, sure, right? And he told them one of the guy's dreams, the baker's, was really bad. He was going to lose his life. And one of the guy's dreams was really good, the kind of dream you want to have. He would be restored. And hey, when you get restored, I want you to remember me. And the guy forgot all about him because that's what it's like when you're a victim. Nobody remembers you. Nobody pays attention to you. You have nothing good. You end up in a bad place and none of it's your fault. And Joseph, above everyone else, knew what it means to be a victim. Two whole years went by before that guy remembered, Oh, Pharaoh, you had a weird dream? I know a guy. I made friends with a guy back when I was down in prison. He can help you. And finally, Joseph was brought up out of prison. And then he was elevated to Pharaoh's right hand. And he could have used all that time, you know, he could have used all that time to brood over how bad his life was, what a victim he was, and he could have brood over it and thought, I can't wait until I see Judah. I've got some things to say. I can't wait until I see Simeon. I can't wait until I see Gad. I can't wait to get even with Asher. Which of us wouldn't like to get even? But Joseph didn't. Joseph didn't consider himself a victim at all. It's amazing, isn't it? To suffer so much, to suffer so much, and then to have the men who were responsible for all of it at your mercy, to have them pleading for bread from you. Oh man, I got things to say to you boys. You know how much I've suffered. You know what you've stolen from me. You know what you took from me. You know what I couldn't have because you hated me. Now it's time for payback. And yet Joseph stood before his brothers and he had mercy on them. Because see, like you, Joseph was not a victim. 
And so he didn't tell himself a victim sob story. Joseph didn't tell himself a victim sob story that is a dead end. That's how victimization always works, isn't it? It leaves you completely paralyzed, completely bereft of all agency. There's nothing that you can do when you're a victim. But when you are a son of the Father, when you are a son of a merciful Father, there is always something for you to do. There is always something for you to say. There is always good that can be done. And Joseph, he did good. He overcame evil, not with evil, but he overcame evil with good. And so he wept. You would weep too if your brothers who hated you stood before you and you had the power to take their life. You had the power to inflict on them some small measure of the pain that they had worked on you. Which of you would not want to have that? And yet Joseph said, fear not. Am I in the place of God? You meant it for me for evil. And it was, brothers, but God meant it for good. And so I will take care of you and your little ones. See how the mercy of Joseph overflows to generations. I won't just take care of you, Reuben and Gad and Asher, but I will take care of your little ones. For I am not a victim, Joseph says to his brothers, but I am a son of the merciful father. Has anyone ever suffered as much as Joseph? Well, come to think of it, come to think of it, somebody did, right? There is someone greater than Joseph who has suffered not just the hatred of brothers, not just a false accusation, not just a rigged court system, not just a forgotten identity in jail. There is one greater than Joseph who has come to suffer for you. There is someone who has been betrayed, not by simply the Jews, but he has been betrayed by each and every one of us. His name you know. His name is Jesus. He is the greater Joseph who has suffered far, far worse than Joseph ever did. And he has suffered not at someone else's hands, but he has suffered because of you. And yet he stands now risen to the Father's right hand and from heaven he wants you, his brothers and sisters, to hear loud and clear this message. Do not fear. You meant it for evil. You have done great evil. I have died your death. I have paid your price. And it was a dreadful price. But do not be afraid. For I have risen to have mercy on you. The kind of mercy that is put in your lap and shaken together and pressed down and overflowing. Jesus doesn't consider himself a victim. Jesus knows himself to be the son of the father. You have to tell yourself this story because the world wants to tell you that you're a victim. And it's true, isn't it? How many of you are victims? Every one of us could put our hands up because where there is sin, there are always victims. Your sins are not just committed out in the ether, right? Your sins are committed against someone. Fathers sin against their children. Husbands sin against their wives. Wives sin against their husbands. Friends sin against each other. It is a dreadful thing to sin against one another. And if you believe it, you will get sucked down into that victim mentality. But Jesus is risen to tell you, you are not a victim. You are a son of a merciful father who has filled your lap with his blessings. I want you to tell yourself this 
story. I want you to tell yourself these things. I want you to close your ears to the world and its victim call all around you because that is a dead end. But if you listen to Jesus, if you listen to Jesus, if you let him shape your life, if you let his story shape who you are and how you think about yourself and the world all around you, you will be able to say things like Joseph did. You will be able to look at your husband, at your children, at your friends, at people who have hurt you in ways that are almost too deep to put into words, and you will be able to say to them, I forgive you. I have mercy on you because I am not a victim. I am a son of the merciful Father. Have that picture in your mind today when you come up here for Holy Communion, when you put out your hands to receive the glorious body of Jesus, that heavy body of Jesus. For God the Father gives you nothing short of this blessing, his own son. And when you feel the weight of that little wafer of bread, I want you to feel the full weight of Jesus getting pressed down in your hand, shaken together, overflowing with the mercy and love of your heavenly Father so that you would know what it means to be a son. You are not victims, dear friends. You are sons of the Most High. So be merciful as your father is merciful. Be generous as your father is generous. Forgive as you have been forgiven. And just test him and see. See if you can give more than him. You'll find out. You'll find out that your father is more generous than you could ever be. To him be the glory now and always. Amen.